Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Ted Scup. Now, Ted is the author of the 2008 book, Death, Taxes and Push-Ups. He's done approximately 14 million push-ups in his lifespan, and he does about 1,000 push-ups a day, which is incredible. He has also starred on the reality TV show Flirty Dancing, which was shown worldwide on Fox. But before we go, please go to our website. We are at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. And we're on all the social media streams, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Tell Craig Your Story. And we're also available on VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. And we're also on all the major podcast streaming, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, to name a few. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Ted Scup on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hey, Ted. How are you going today? Hey, Craig. Excited to be on your show. I, I watched most of, almost all of your uh, podcasts. They're great. Yes, I've noticed that. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, one of a, a loyal fan. I, I, I love it. Good, good to see. Thank you. So what time is it now at the moment? You're in California, it's, right? Yeah, it's 7 p.m. over here, uh, Pacific right. time. Uh, perfect weather. Uh, uh, oh. Weather is 70 degrees. I live uh, about... I live about 60 minutes north of Los Angeles, a little, well, it's a pretty good sized beach town. And so yeah. the weather's always 70 degrees here. It's ideal. Probably the best place in California to live. Yeah, right. So yeah. speaking of Ventura and the USA, tell us a little bit about the, the coronavirus. How's your family staying safe? Like in that sort of area, are they starting to release the restrictions now? Well, luckily, everyone in my family's safe. All my friends are safe. But, uh, yeah, everything was going good, and people started celebrating, you know, opening up the champagne bottles, thinking that it's over. And now the numbers are starting to go up. So just when they started opening all, all the businesses up, the beaches, uh, we just got a notice that uh, California governor said that everything's going to be shut down again, a lockdown during the holiday weekend because it's Fourth of July weekend. So, right. yeah, the beaches are going to be closed, and that's what people live for here in California. Yeah, they right. The sun, they get out of Los Angeles come to these beach towns and enjoy the weekend. But it's, yeah, all of a sudden uh, they locked us down again. So oh, it's not over. So, so, so tell us about that. Uh, what did you do on the 4th of July? It's a, it's a very popular holiday in the U.S. What, what yeah, do you normally families, do? Yeah, families get together. They barbecue. They, you know, they just, uh, you know, go out, uh, get out of town, go to the beach go to the mountains, uh, you know, there's so many, you know, things to do here. You have mountains, you could ski in the mountains and surf on the beach <laughs> on the same day. Yes. So it's, it's, uh, it's a great place to live. You know what? I actually almost did that that theory that you just said. Uh, the last time I was in the U.S., I think it was about October. So it was still hot enough to go to the beach. And then my friend said, you know what? You want to go to bear mountain and go and have a have a ski uh, and i was like that's just crazy <laughs> same day on the same day and we have uh you know mountains here so you could go up and there's snow in the mountains and it'll be 90 degrees down here by the beach yeah so you got it all here yeah so right is, yeah, and California. and and how long have you been living in ventura for now uh about three and a half years i came uh, from chicago uh Three and a half years ago, my daughter lives in Los Angeles, so I thought, uh -huh. you know, I'm retired. This is the place for me. My partner of 25 years passed away, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a new life, be closer to my daughter. She, You know, I have a grandson now, so it's perfect. And then the last four months, I can't even see my family because, you know, everyone's yeah. afraid that you know, that somehow, you know, we came into contact with uh, the virus. So it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just a strange environment. But what's funny is I'm getting a little cynical because uh, I don't know anyone who has it and my friends don't know anyone who has it. A woman just cut my hair and she's taken a survey with all of her clients and not one client in a month said that they know someone with, uh, oh, yeah. with uh, 
you know, with the virus. Now, yeah. I know it's there. Having said that, I still, you know, protect myself with a mask. You yes. know, I keep my distance, but I personally don't know anybody. So, you know, you start getting cynical, like, is this real? And I know it is. I mean, yeah. you, you can't fake something like that. But yeah, it's just, I just don't know anyone. Like when it's flu season, cold season, all my neighbors have it, my friends have it, but I don't know one person with the virus. And wow. it's, it's good because, you know, it doesn't affect me. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's true. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I was actually, uh, like you probably know, I, I was living in Shanghai at the time of that that actually happened, and we didn't know anything about that. You know, they, they shut down Wuhan, and it was like, oh, yeah, there's some sort of flu symptom going around, and then yeah, all right. of a sudden it's like they shut the whole the whole city down, and then it's like, okay, you got to wear a mask, uh, they're closing up all the shops, and it's like... So I was going to go to the U.S. Apparently, Trump the day that I was the day after I was going to go to the U.S. Uh, he he closed the borders, so I end up coming back home. Such a yeah, shame. Heard, yeah, yeah, the U.K. shut down for uh, U.S. Uh, citizens to go to the U.K. So yeah, everything shut down. All of a sudden, yeah. it's uh, ramping up again, and uh, it's getting scary. Just when uh, we thought you know this was you know we were getting over the top, and here we go again. I just yes. you know. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. So, so, it, it, so on top of that, and I know it's a little bit of a touchy subject, but uh, you know, it's you, know, you have to be blind to not see it. With what's happening in the U.S. now, I'm just seeing lots of looting and and there's lots of racism uh, over there. Are you okay in L.A. Because uh, we're seeing footage here in Australia, and and like all the shops are like boarded up and you know people are going right. in there and looting so you know well again i'm 60 miles north of los angeles i know los angeles was pretty bad yeah but, uh, you know i i understand the protest i get it but the looters i think the the media also sensationalizes yes they, there's uh 10 million uh, protesters and there's 200 looters and they keep showing the same you know the same event the same. over and over yeah. So it seems like everyone's doing it, but they're not. I understand uh, the plight, and you have to hear the voice of the people. And, uh, yeah, the protest I agree with uh, 100%, but uh, the looters just uh, kind of like a little bit know, over the top, isn't take it? away from it. But uh, overall, I think uh, it's a good thing. You know, it's uh, you need equality and, uh, you know, just everyone to, you know, just unite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree with you there. And, and uh, I've I've loved my my four times going there to the U.S. It's such a beautiful place. So many things to see. It's so like each area is so different and unique. And uh, you know the people are just always well. They're always nice to me anyway. I've uh, you know I haven't met too many arrogant or rude people. They're just generally nice people uh, in the U.S. And that's why I love coming back. So, <laughs> hey, where did you go in the U.S.? Oh, being being everywhere, New York, oh, uh, um, on on the East Coast, uh, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, Florida, Atlanta. Um, well, I grew up, I I grew up in East Chicago, Indiana, which is just uh, just outside of Chicago on the Indiana border on the on the southern end of Lake Michigan. I grew up there, and I I lived there for sixty years, and this is a whole new life for me. So yeah, I'm still right. In New yeah, it'd be a bit different with the weather. And are you a Cubs fan or are you a... Uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you got to be a Cubs fan. Yeah? For sure. And for you sure. went to Wrigley, Wrigley Field? That, that's on my yeah, list? Yeah, several times. Yeah, yeah right. Several, oh, big fan. Yeah, they won the World Series a couple yeah, of years ago? like two or three years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I love Major League Sports. So, okay, Ted, let's go back, way back to the start. You didn't actually grow up in the U.S. You, you you were born in England, right? Right. I was born in Southampton, England, right after the war in uh, 1951. My father was a Polish uh, soldier after, and he's from Warsaw, Poland. So we're Polish. Uh, right. So after the war, we went to the England. They were our host until we found places to move to. So uh, yeah, I was there for five years. Came to uh, Chicago. And, uh, yeah, I, that's where I grew up, in East Chicago, Indiana. So can you remember any of those times, like, like growing up, like before you come to the U.S.? Well, I remember I was in Piccadilly Square. I was just a, a kid, but I remember being in London and uh, yeah. seeing, seeing the changing of the guards and, uh, in, you know, by the Buckingham Palace. I seen things like that, and I do remember that. And I do remember being in Piccadilly Square. 
but of course a five-year-old couldn't care less about anything yeah so i was and, clueless and uh, what what was the reason why to come to the u.s at, at that stage with your family was it to just get away from you know to start no, and- it was- well, England was a temporary holding place for everybody. So we, uh, some of our family went to Australia, some uh, went ah. to Canada, and uh, most of them went to Chicago because uh, in, in the 50s, Chicago had the largest community of Polish people. So ah. they were very comfortable. So it's like almost moving back to Poland for uh, yes. parents. Yeah. So, you know, everyone spoke Polish there. This is in the 50s. And uh, yeah, it was, it's a perfect place for them. You know, a lot of work at the time after the war, you know, just... Uh, you know, every, everyone had jobs, so yeah, they got employment right away, and everything was great. Right. Welcome to America. And and tell Lots us about tell us about the, those times there, like growing up in, in Indiana. Then you know, was it a, a were you in sort of like a, a country town, or was it more of no. like a no? Well, East was a big industrial town. All the steel mills, refineries, everything. It's remember, it was right on Lake Michigan, the southern right. tip of Michigan. So it was all industry. So Everyone worked there. Everyone prospered, and uh, you know it was middle class, but everyone had jobs. So yeah, there was no poverty. It just seems like uh, it was it was the best of times for immigrants. Yep. And and what what were you what were you doing at this? So you got you went to high school. Um, I did see what high school you went to, but I can't yeah, remember off the top. High school. Yeah. Right. I went to Catholic school my whole life. Right. Yeah. Catholic school. Right. Right. Yeah, so, cool. so uh, very strict in that that, that sort of time uh, with the religion. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. It wasn't. They didn't shove it down your throat, but yeah, they they you know preached it, and uh, yeah, we just, they had us in, in good control, and that's what our parents wanted. You know that because uh, the nuns used to like uh, watch us like hawks and, and uh, <laughs> call our parents if we did anything wrong. And, so, and yeah. is that has that continued with with you and through your family? Uh, have the Catholic yeah, religion? yeah. Yeah, we're still Catholic. We practice. Uh, yeah, know, right. we go to church. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit similar with that. Without my family as well, like my my uh, nana and pop, who have both passed away, but uh, they're very Catholic as well, coming from their just their family, and you know, none of us have sort of taken the tradition, but you know, we used to all hold hands and say the Lord's Prayer at Christmas time. So you know, <laughs> but uh, that that sort of tradition has, has gone away. So uh, you went on to university as well. Did you? Did you go to university? I did not. After that? I went straight to work for uh, for BP Oil Company. Right. And, uh, right away. So and then I retired about ten years. Ago. I worked there for thirty seven years. I retired uh, at fifty seven and a half. So I've been uh, retired now for yeah about twelve years, eleven twelve years. So what made you go into that that sort of industry? Uh, was it like a, a, a just a job Good at the money, time? Yeah. yeah? It just it just seemed like a, yeah I wanted to have money a car a family a house I wanted everything so uh, you know as I said we were middle class and you know it was a great opportunity and well I, I, I was there for 37 years so you know not many people could say that they were in a, employed in the same place for 37 yeah, years yeah that's right I was fortunate enough to you know have that opportunity it was you know a great place to work. So what what made you stay there for so long? It, uh, you know, it, it's gone of like the modern time where well, you, ha- you have a job for thirty seven years. I, I've chopped and changed. You know, I get three or four years into it, and it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, okay, if, where am I going to go had, next? Yeah. If I had to do it all over again as a teenager, I tell everybody, move to California. This is the place <laughs> where, uh, yeah, where all your dreams supposedly come true. So, but once you, uh, you know, after after high school, you get married. Once you're planted there, you're there for, you know, the rest of your life, you know. You, you build a circle of friends, uh, work friends, and, yeah, you're stuck there until you retire. Yes. So I've been retired, and as I said, my partner passed away, and uh, this was the time to move here, and I love it here, you know. Yes. I'm still getting to know the place. This yes. is a big, big, big state. So, so tell us about the, 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 the BP, and uh, I don't mean to be sort of rude or anything, but uh, did you have uh, – there was some tough times there in the U.S. with the the big oil spill. Well, that uh, happened. That was happened a... about a year after I retired. It oh, really? Right. And they asked me to go to Louisiana uh, after I retired, and uh, yeah, I, I declined. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, they sent a lot of the guys who had retired. They wanted to show that uh, you know that you know that we had professionals that would help with anything there, you know, yeah. the oil spill or anything they needed. We were there to help, but yeah, I did. I declined that. 
I'm like, I, I worked for 37 years. I'm done. Yeah. And, uh, so some of my friends went and, uh, yeah, they helped out. And did you have anything, anything, maybe not to that extreme, but do you have, did you have similar in, like incidents in, in your time there? Oh, yeah. I mean, in a refinery, there's always like uh, fires, explosions. But, uh, yeah, I've had, fr- I lost friends uh, working, you know, <sighs> working there. So, yeah, it's over 37 years. Uh, yeah, you have some disasters, I guess. Tell us the one best thing that sticks in your mind out of those 37 years of working working for a company like BP. No, I just the people you work with become your family. That's yeah. It's like every day you, you're kind of excited to go meet your friends, work with your friends. So I guess it's not one day. It's just uh, the camaraderie. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the job. So, yeah, I did. It wasn't like you had to push me to go to work, but I mean, it's still a job, but uh, you still have to build a, you know, a circle of friends there. So, yeah, it, it was a, it was a great career. Okay. 37 years and then uh, yeah, it's just uh, it was a great place to work. Very professional. So so when you finished and, and I'm sure one day that I'll get to that stage as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, don't, wish, don't wish your life away. Yeah, that's right. What was that first like? Did you know that that was time to retire or, or was it like your decision or was it sort of like a mixed decision? I mean, it was a mixed decision. Well, my father died when he was 65 years old. And, uh, and so I said, you know what? Life is short and uh, I have enough. I could have made more. I could have stayed uh, another five, 10 years and yeah. made more money. But I had enough to survive the rest of my life. You know, yeah. live again, uh, a modest life. And uh, yeah, that's what uh, I look forward to. And I had enough and it was time to go. So uh, my father, you know, dying earlier had, you know, helped me out with that decision. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to live forever. I have enough. So when, when is enough enough? Yes. It was time to go. Yeah, right. So, and when did you, when did you finish working? What year was it? Yeah, it was uh, 2009. Okay. So, but before that, and, and what you were uh, renowned for is the 2008 release of Death, Taxes, and Push-Ups. Exactly. So, so, this was the year before you retired, so you would have thought that yeah, maybe actually, you would have done that after. All right. Well, the, the book was launched about a, a month before I retired, so I did book signings at work, and then uh, I just transitioned into my retirement. I did radio shows, uh, you know, little TV, and, uh, you know, launched my book. And it was, I had a ball. You know, we did book signings all over Chicago. I did radio shows throughout the United States. So, yeah, I, everyone wanted to know why I wrote a book. And uh, I wrote this book after I did 10 million push-ups. So a lot of people write books after they do something for a month or two. Yes. Well, I feel tested push-ups. So you start by going to the gym when you're younger. Then you have a family. You have to work overtime. And so you can't make it to the gym. So I'm like, I says, how do you stay in shape if, you know, if you're doing all these, uh, you know, out, outside activities, you have to, you know, you have to do activities with your family. So I said, I'm going to start incorporating push-ups and going to the gym and, and keep doing more push-ups. So eventually I weaned myself from the gym and I started doing push-ups exclusively. So I got to about 500 a day. And then, uh, then I started getting bored with 500. I, I went up to 550. Yes. A month later, I got bored with that. I went to 600. Eventually, I uh, went to 1,000 a day, every day wow. for over 35 years. So officially, when I wrote the book, I did 10 million. Right now, I still do 1,000 per day, yes. with the exception of maybe uh, just a several days a year. Uh, I'm at about close to 14 million push-ups in my lifetime, maybe more. Wow. Yeah. So are you still doing your 1,000? Uh, every morning, every morning I wake up religiously, have my cup of coffee, I read yes. the news, and then uh, I get down and I uh, do my thousand. I like to do it early in the morning, get it out of the way, out of sight, out of mind, and that's when I have the most energy early in the morning. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Is that like a is that like a um, like a tip for other people? Wait, like, like, is this when you're most you know well, that's the best the time? Well, yeah, some people like to work out at night, but uh, I'm a morning guy, so it works yeah. for me. When, when when your energy is the highest, that's when you do them. Yes. So it was a, it was a transition, but it, within about uh, six months, I was doing a, a thousand push-ups. It's wow. funny how it, it's like running a marathon. You don't get off the couch and just run a marathon. Yes. You go around the block, you huff and puff. The next day, you go around two times. So it's uh, yeah, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but uh, 
surprisingly, you could always do one more, you know? So I, I just kept creeping it up and up and up. So everyone says that, you know, like, how could you do that many push-ups? So I, I, that's why I wrote the book, to explain how it became a lifestyle. It's not, everyone knows how to do a push-up. You go up and down. So in, uh, I was the first person, by the way, to write a book on push-ups. No one has ever attempted it because you go wow. up and down, right? How <laughs> boring is that? Yes. So what I did is I'm going to turn it into a lifestyle, about I, a little bit about my life and how I uh, went from the gym and I transitioned to just push-ups because it's a core exercise and it works 95% of your body. You're not going to look like a bodybuilder, but you're going to look athletic and, uh, you know, it's very healthy. So, yeah, you can't beat the push-up. It's all-inclusive. It works all the muscles. It's like it's like 10 uh, gym machines all at once. Yes. And, and you know it. You know what, Ted? It's it costs zero. <laughs> the reason I wrote the book, it's for people with low income and and people who have money but they don't have the time. So it's about uh, you know, like like let's say you're a busy executive, you can do them in the office, you could do them anywhere. You know, you could just go to the other room and and uh, and then there's people who can't afford a gym, they can't afford equipment, books on it. So I mean, how simple is a push-up? But yeah. you have to like, uh, yeah, you got to train people and show them, you know, how you did it. And they follow your steps, especially after you've done 10 million, because they'll say, there's a guy who field tested pushups. You know, <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, as opposed to this young buff model who, you know, you think, you know, you think that uh, that's all he does is pushups. But he's doing more than pushups, you know. That's right. So, that's true. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's the most perfect exercise there is. And so after I wrote my book then people started copying my book because they go like, okay, we're going to take it a step further. So, but again, I was the first ever in the history of books to write, uh, you know, from, from beginning to the end about pushups. And again, I incorporated my life. I talked about myself and, you know, how I motivated myself. And then I do train you in the book. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a beginning, uh, intermediate, and, uh, you know, and a more advanced level. So yes. you could see, you know, the, you know, how it develops. So it's for everyone and it's for women uh, as well. You know, it's not just for men, you know, kids uh, and it's, you know, even children because uh, they, they shouldn't work out with heavy weights when they're that young. Yes. But uh, a push-up is perfect. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a, a great exercise, all-around exercise. And, and you know what? Um, uh, Bruce Lee has, a, has always, um, always sticks in my mind that you don't have to go into the gym and, and do the, you know, the heavy weights. He always says that if you could push your own body weight, that that's all you need, right? Exactly. But if you take it to a higher number, you're getting uh, an effect like uh, kind of like uh, weights, you know, yes. you're, you know, because it's like uh, it's kind of aerobic and anaerobic. When you do it in higher numbers, you're getting more strength and uh, muscle tone. And then it's a little bit aerobic because you're doing in such high numbers. So it's, yeah. it's the most perfect exercise. And speaking of a good exercise during this virus where everybody's locked down. Yeah, of course. How do you, how do you beat the push-ups. Yes. But uh, if you do 10, that's, it may not help you. But uh, if you could do 10, the book could get you to do 20 for sure. sure. If you right. could do 100, I'm going to get you to do 200. If you could do uh, more than that, it's just, uh, you know, I motivate you and show you exactly how I did it. So I'm the example. Yeah, right. And, and the other thing, too, that I wanted to talk about is uh, technique, because some people will say, you know, I've been told as well that I'm not doing it properly. You've got right. to you got to put push your, hand, your arms in. You can't have your elbows out. So so for you, I mean, you're not cheating anything. So <laughs> no, uh, can, I you, don't, I don't, can you show me or tell me about that? Okay, I don't do anything fancy. I do. Yeah. It's it's kind of boring, but uh, because of my high numbers, that's where I get the effect. So I just do them shoulder length apart, and yes. all you do is go all the way, you know, up and lock your arms, and then 90 degrees. You don't have to go any lower and stretch those muscles because you're, you know, you're looking for an injury. But uh, yes. but when you start going uh, higher and higher numbers, that's when you start get building, you know, your muscle tone and uh, you know, burning calories, and uh, yeah, you're getting an all-inclusive workout with that. So. Mm -hmm. Is there a right way? You know what? People say that this helps when you go close, it helps your triceps. But listen to this. If you do them shoulder length and you do you do 50 of them, you're going to get that same burn everywhere. Yes. You know, yes. so you don't have to do 10 of these, 10 of these, and 10 of these. Why not do like 30 or 40 of just the regular push-ups? And it's like a, it's like a, a transmission in a car. 
you start doing more and more, and then you shift into a higher gear and higher gear, you're going to use the muscles that, that, you know, mimic all those different, uh, you know, ways of doing push-ups. So I do the standard push-ups if you like to try them, but my, uh, my thing is get the numbers in. I like yes. to do them in higher numbers and yeah, it's, that's what I've been doing all my life and I'm still doing them every morning. So for 35 years, it's just a, a part of my life. It's my lifestyle now. Were you always like a gym junkie, uh, like, or, or were you always sort of, uh, you know, physically fit, like, like even even back then before you started this? Well, yeah, of... in high school you're always physically fit and you want to stay that way. So you know, early on you go to the gym, start working out with your friends, and uh, you feel good. And then again, you get married, and then you start missing those workouts. So what can you, uh, you know, uh, do, you know, to do to mimic the gym? So you do push-ups. Uh, you're saying before how you sort of build up to it. So how did you do it? Like you just didn't do a thousand overnight. <laughs> no, you don't. Like Martha, I said yeah. uh, you, uh, you start slowly, you do 10, and then you'll do, uh, you know, the next week you'll do 15, and, and you just keep building and building. Yes. So it's just it's just a transition. It's kind of like jogging and, uh, you know, running uh, marathons and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's. But it doesn't take long. One thing about push, like I said, it's uh, you could always do one more. You know, if you could do ten, you could do eleven for sure. You just have to keep doing it consistently. It's That's all about consistency. So right. yeah, if you take a, a month off, you might start over. But uh, yeah, push-ups is so basic. And again, you cannot like uh, have an excuse with push-ups because you can't say it's you know it's raining. I don't want to go to the gym. <laughs> you could right. drop on the floor and do them in your house. You yeah. know, or at work. Here's the funny thing. I used to do put. I did about four million of my push-ups at work, wow. and uh, I have had people come in and they go like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "What do you think I'm doing? I'm doing push-ups." I was at my desk. I had my phone. I wasn't, uh, you know, some of these guys who said you can't do push-ups. They were out smoking ten times a day, yeah, you know? right. and then they would come in and say, "Well, why am I doing push-ups?" Well, I'm being healthy. I'm alert, and yes. uh, all you do is smoke. So uh, yeah, and I'm right here at my desk. So yeah. And, and they encouraged it after a while, you know. They said, you know, they started bringing in exercise bikes and things like that just to keep your mental state going. You've done a 1,000 a day. Um, have you ever had the urge to sort of, you know, make it 1,250? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a point where, where it becomes ridiculous. So uh, yeah. a 1,000 is a lot. And now yes. I'm thinking, I 2,000, by the way. Yeah. But it's not necessary. Then you're like, uh, then yeah, it's it just becomes an addiction and it's too much. But uh, a thousand works for me. It takes yeah. me about an hour, and uh, yeah. and I'm done. And, and has there been times where it's like, oh, I'm so tired. I, I just no, can't funny. do it today. It's, and look, I look forward to it because it, it uh, in the morning after my coffee, obviously, I wake yeah. up, I'm alert, I feel energetic the whole day. So. Yeah, I don't uh, dread it. Like when you go to the gym, it's there was a, it was just the drive there was harder than uh, the actual workout. So if you're at home or wherever you're at, then you can't beat a push-up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You don't need uh, you don't need exercise bikes or any tubular junk that you're going to sell at the garage sale. You know, so. And is there plans to release a, a second a follow-up? You know, people have told me what can you do, but it's it's very hard to how do you. How do you, uh, yeah. do a to a book like it's push push-ups are so basic you know people start inventing uh things to put in a push-up book my book was the first so it was about my lifestyle and how i transitioned and yeah it's it, it, it's probably the, the last book i'll ever write but it was a great experience and i changed a lot of lives in fact uh uh we sent a lot of my books to iraq uh, right. during the war and a lot of uh veterans hospitals and you know what the greatest thing about the book was? It wasn't the money, the the royalties. It was about the beautiful letters that I got from some of the some of the soldiers. I had a army sniper who was shot. He was a he said he was a power lifter, a big strong guy, and he was in a hospital. You know, he he had uh, wounds. Uh, we didn't really discuss that, but he called me. We talked by phone, and I sent him. Uh, and he said, by the way, he said that the book helped him recuperate. Because, you know, oh. he was doing, uh, you know, heavy weights. And then he started doing push-ups the way I was doing them and increasing them, increasing them. He started getting his uh, strength back. And then when he got home, he says it saved his life. And oh. that was one incident. And uh, also a female uh, was uh, uh, wounded in uh, one of these uh, explosions. 
and she also read my book and uh, it helped her out. So that's wow. where you get the satisfaction from yeah. the book. It's not the money, it's from these letters that uh, you change someone's life. You know? Yes. So, so, so that I, was, I, sorry, that was, that was two from the war. Oh, was this, that was my next follow-up question. Um, uh, who, who has been inspired by these, these books? Like, like um, yeah. have you got people from overseas? You said from the war, like the people from the from the army. Have you had any other sort of stories or experiences? Well, a lot of uh, well, when my book was released and uh, they found out I retired, they wanted me to go across the country and talk to uh, grade schools, high schools, even some colleges. You know, they're all subsidized. They have money for anything related to health and exercise. They bring speakers in and uh, they make really good money. But I didn't want to travel. I had retired and I did not want to travel. Plus, my partner, you know, was sick. So, you know, I couldn't leave at that time. But, uh, yeah, there's opportunities from the book. You don't make as much from the book, but you have speaking engagements. Remember, the word author means authority on yes. any particular subject. So uh, since I was an authority, they wanted me to be a speaker everywhere. I got letters from schools. And, uh, yeah, I just could I just didn't want to start that because then it started being like a carnival. You know, you had to travel all over the country and uh, be away from your family. It, it sounded exciting, but uh, I didn't I declined. But, yeah, a lot of schools were interested in uh, me speaking to kids because, you know, what? again, a push up is so simple. And they just yeah. wanted to, you know, me to talk about my lifestyle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great for kids, high school kids, you know, athletes. And you also like you also talk about the push-up, but uh, I'm sure, and obviously, it's also about your diet as well. I mean, you can't be, you know, going to McDonald's or Burger King or, <laughs> you know, oh, I'm doing all these push-ups, but you know, it's, yeah, no, it's yeah. So, do you talk about that in the book as well? Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not a nutrition, so a lot of the mm. things were just taken from the internet and uh, you know, just things like that. But. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't really say uh, about nutrition. But I I lead a healthy lifestyle. I eat my vegetables. I eat yes. my uh, fruit. Yeah. Everything is uh is pretty regimented. So yeah, it's a, it's a one-two punch. You've got to have a good diet and an exercise. So they work together. And sorry, one more thing that I wanted to ask, and and I found it interesting. Um, I was reading uh, reading up about the book. Is that that it's not like like just for the normal person doing a push-up? It's just it, it's. You know, you're just using your, your shoulders and your arms and, and your, your your chest, but you're right. saying that it actually works your whole body. That it was does. interesting. Remember, you know, you you hear they tell you to start doing a plank where you're like, uh, it's kind of like isometric. Yes. So when you're in that push-up position, you're squeezing your stomach, your butt, your legs. Everything is working together. So isometrics work uh, very well too. Now the the biggest part where you you build is your upper body. But then, uh, as I said, you're uh, you're squeezing your abs, so it's isometrically helping, uh, you know, your your stomach and uh, everything else, your back, your butt, everything, your yeah. legs, because you're in that position. And when you do as many as I do, you're in that position for a long time. So that isometric, you're squeezing for you know a couple of minutes. Yeah. So right. I, again, I don't do a thousand at once. I do sets of of 150. I do like seven sets of 150. And then gotcha. I take about a three-minute rest in between. So within an hour, less than an hour, I do a thousand a day. Right. And have you had any sort of like? Uh, obviously, it sounds like you haven't had too much uh, injuries in, in your time either. Ha have you had any sort of major injuries? Like to to sort of. No, I, actually, it's you know, for a while you get a little carpal tunnel, but it went away in about uh, two months. It's uh, yeah, I've never had an injury. Nothing. Wow. I kept doing them. You know, yeah, right. just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like muscle memory. Everything is just, uh, yeah, it's like uh, riding a bike. Yeah. Everything, it's like a sewing machine. Everything's working. So, yeah, I got it down to science and uh, no injuries. When you do something different, that's when you're, uh, you, you know, you, you might uh, get an injury. But yes. as long as you stick to the same exercise and just increase the numbers, you're doing the same thing. But it's still building your, uh, your whole body at the yes. same time. And did you ever play any sort of uh, sports or, you know, in, in your time? Uh, like... yeah, I, just, I wrestled one or two years and, uh, yeah, that wasn't for me. I like to just uh, go to parties. When wrestling? I was that's awesome. That's <laughs> the rest... Yeah, but uh, I decided parties were more fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's just uh, chasing yeah. the girls, right? <laughs> yeah, chasing the girls. Right. Awesome. So, okay, so you you brought out the book. It was uh, very successful, and then uh, you moved uh, from Indiana to uh, Ventura. Here, oh, there you go. There you go. So uh, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about uh, where where people can can get it. Uh, you know, uh, where's well, the best you know place? I actually delisted. It was uh, on sale. I had it in uh, bookstores throughout the United States, uh, libraries throughout the United States. It was on Amazon and different uh, book sites. But uh, I delisted it about uh, four years ago because everyone started copying it. Uh-huh. Mine was the first. And all of a sudden, there's 20 out there. You know, they just took, in fact, they plagiarized a lot of my stuff. So I don't know if that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost uh, a good thing for me. Because, uh, you know, just them copying me, is uh, it shows that, uh, you know, they trust my judgment. Wait, how so do they get away with that, but Ted? How do they get away with that? Isn't there like a copyright well, infringement there or something? It is if you, if you, was, if you uh, use the same sentences and everything, but they just, they take my system and put their little uh, twist on it. That's all, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's almost the same. They put a few more pictures there and, uh, you know, they try to, yeah. They, they just take it a little step further. So now there's 20 of them out there. So I decided, you know, I'm going to take it off. Uh, it's still available through like uh, third party, like uh, websites. But uh, yeah, I don't have it uh, out there, you know, today. Right. Because you was, and, and speaking of that, like people taking advantage of your material, it's saying here that it's a $35 billion industry. It so, is. It's a $35 billion. And they're so misleading, you know, there's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's all like uh, magic bullets and uh, quick fixes, and it's not like that. You got to get down and do the work, you know. Yeah. I mean, push-ups, as simple as push-ups are, you got to motivate yourself. But the one thing about push-ups, you build a momentum. It's like running; you get addicted to running, and uh, you 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 will get addicted to push-ups once you start and stay consistent. You will be addicted to them, and you'll always challenge yourself to push it a little bit further. And with my book, it it kind of helps you. Uh, hey, I'm a lazy guy like everybody else, and I don't like to work out, but this yeah. is something that worked, and it was easy, and it just, it was actually fun. So, Part of your routine now. And actually, yeah, I think I think when we finish, I'm going to probably get down and do a couple of myself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I did a lot of talk shows where uh, I was in uh, radio stations, and people would call in, women and everything, and I told them that, yes, you could, you know, they think that, uh, Women shouldn't do them. Women are just as athletic as men these days. Yeah. So, yeah, they can do them. And even guys can't do push-ups. Some guys, I say start on your knees, right, mm. and do about 10 yes. on your knees. When you do 10 on your knees, then try a couple without, you know, just a, a regular push-up position. So, yeah, it's, it's for everybody, children, women, men, everybody. You just got to take it to a higher level and have fun with it. it is, it's fun and addicting. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. After this, I think this is when you you, you moved to, to Ventura. You got an opportunity uh, through your daughter, I do believe, with a called Flirty Dancing. It's, yeah, Flirty uh, Dancing is an is English about about, about, Yeah, you uh, dance with someone. You never meet them. You don't talk to them. You know who they are. Uh, they Each one of you dances with a choreographer, and then you meet someplace in, in uh, Los Angeles, and... For the first time, you don't talk while you're dancing, and then uh, you see if there's a chemistry through dance. So anyway, getting back to my daughter, she's a casting agent, or she was. She's on sabbatical now because uh, she's a mother, so she's raising uh, my grandson. But yes. uh, a friend of hers was a uh, is also a casting agent, and she called my daughter and she says, "I heard your dad moved to California and he's single. There's a new <laughs> TV. Show. There's a new TV show and." Uh, I had met him at your wedding. This was my daughter's wedding. So I meet, met this casting agent and she remembered me from six years ago. Wow. And she said, would you like to try out for our show? And I says, why not? Yeah. So she calls me. She's a casting agent. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get on the show. They just uh, get a, you know, a bunch of people and see who they look at your personality, how outgoing you are. And so she interviewed me and said, uh, you know, uh, we liked you. We're going to move you to Fox, the producers, you know, Fox Television, uh, yeah. which is a big major network Huge. here. Yeah. And so they moved me on to Fox. And then I walk into this ballroom and I almost had a heart attack. There was like uh, <laughs> 10, 10 producers there, TV cameras everywhere. 
there was choreographers and I'm like, what did I get myself into? I'm not a dancer. You know, when you go to a wedding, you dance a little bit when there's a hundred people on the dance floor, but I've never did a choreographed dance. So I go to this ballroom and they said, we would like to film you while you dance with the choreographer. I'm like, okay, let's try it. So she was teaching me a few steps and obviously I screwed everything up. I yeah. just screwed it. Every time she went this way, I went the other way. My brain's not geared that way. I just like to do my own thing. So, uh, so they go like, okay, okay, you're not a good dancer, but let's see how you dance by yourself. We're going to put a song, pick a song that you like. So I says, okay, I'm going to like do something crazy. I don't know if you heard of Billie Eilish. Uh, she has a new song out uh, called Bad Guy. So it's kind of like a hip hop song. Yes. So I started dancing to that, um, uh, to that song without a choreographer and they liked the way I moved because <laughs> I was doing my own thing. It, yes. I didn't have to think what direction to go to. So they go like, okay, this is the kind of guy we want. And uh, having said that, they also wanted a, a token old guy on the show. I was the oldest guy uh, of the season. Usually these, uh, all the people were about uh, you know, 30, maybe 40 was the oldest. And yes. here I'm, uh, I'm gonna be 69 years old. So they wanted a token old guy with a little spirit, you know? So uh, they said, okay. And then they interviewed me and uh, I tried to be ridiculously crazy. I tried to, I, I almost tried to sabotage my own, uh, you know, getting on the show and mm. that's, and that's what they wanted. So uh, if you're going to, if you're going to, uh, interview for a reality show, you can't be yourself. You have to be crazy. You have to be just like, uh, you know, just, uh, a little weird, you know, that's what yes. they want. You know, they want that, uh, personality on there. So I, I, luckily I got picked for the show and then, uh, and then I said, you know what? I started backpedaling. I said, you know what? It was a, it was a great opportunity. I'm flattered, but I can't do this. Yeah. I, you know, I, said, I don't want to put you in a position where I screw your show because they spend about a million dollars per episode. Wow. So I said, you know what? I don't want to be the guy that screws up your show. So I bowed out and they called me the next day. They go, please don't. We need you on yeah, the show, wow. whatever it takes. I'm like, seriously, you want me? You saw the way I danced. <laughs> and then they go like, yeah, we're going to train you with uh, with one of the best dancers in the country, Sharna Burgess, who was on Dancing with the Stars. And yeah. she won it a couple of years ago. She's from Australia. And uh, she was my choreographer. Now, here's the funny thing. I worked with her for four days, five hours a day, and I, I couldn't even walk. You know, just when I thought I was in good shape. Yes. You know, when you start dancing and you're twisting and you're doing these scissor steps for five hours a day, my knees swelled up like this. Uh -huh. and I was, so I have a great respect for these dancers who I thought were like, uh, okay, anybody could do that. But no, they're world-class athletes. Yes. Dancers at their level are amazing. They go on all day. They do these, you know, these spins and everything all day long. And, and the girls are on high heels, but uh, it was hard work. You know, reality <laughs> shows are a little bit staged. This one was not. This one is about dancing. And I thought they were going to baby me. No, they put me to work and it was five hours a day. I was exhausted <laughs> every day. So yeah, finally I, uh, I had, well, I was the, called the picker on the show. I had to dance with, I had to do two dances where the girls that I danced with only had to do one because mm. uh, I, I picked uh, one of the two to be my date. That That's the whole premise of the show. You dance with someone and then uh, to pick the one that you're attracted to supposedly. But uh, yeah, I was exhausted. When I was done with that show, I says, I don't, I'm retiring. Don't ever call me back. This was the <laughs> hardest thing that I ever did. But it was also the most challenging and the most rewarding because I got to see what's behind the camera. You know, yes. you, you appreciate more. When you watch a commercial or something, it might be 30 seconds. But if you knew what goes on behind that, the camera, yes. oh, my God. I'm like, this is crazy. There's producers everywhere, cameramen, lighting men, sound men, uh, you know, there's, it's overwhelming. And now I appreciate when I watch a show, I know it's going behind the lens, which was, that was probably the best thing that I got out of the, the show was the opportunity to see what's on the other side. And yes. it was a great experience. Uh, I mean, yeah. I love doing it, but it was hard work. And uh, yeah, it wasn't like uh, staged in any way. Like that's, most, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, because... it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I was going to get on a reality show where I could like, you know, be so no, they put me to work and uh, yeah, they got their money's worth. Yeah, right. And they, they, by the way, they don't pay nothing, you know. Nothing, it's, yeah. very, it's minimal, it's very minimal. Well, but it was well, the, thing, the thing is, uh, I guess, that well, the same with your book, where 
you'd probably get like people calling you up radio stations and, and yeah. to do to do interviews then like so i guess yeah. that's the way that you're sort of going to make money out of doing it but you, you're not sort of making it doing it for the money anyway no, right no 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 and yeah. you don't make them unless you're a famous famous personality where you make the money as i said is you go to you know high schools grade schools and they yes. pay uh, you know quite a bit quite a bit more than uh, i would at work but yeah. you're doing that on a daily basis i could have went for a year, probably two, two or three, and made a fortune, you know. But you're you're traveling all the time, so yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and and what was your opinion before you uh, reality TV? What did, what was your opinion before, and what's your opinion now? Well, I thought it was a joke. Well, reality overall is kind of staged, you know. They kind of like uh, make you do things you don't want to do. But this yeah. was strictly a dance show, and it was so uh, private. I could not meet the girls. They had security around me where. When I was walking down a hall, they would actually have guards around me, so I wouldn't see the the pe- you know the two girls that I was dancing with. It was yeah. top secret. Yeah. I felt like the president because these guys were talking <laughs> to their Oh yeah. Right. I said they said the pickers on the move, so uh, we're coming down uh, aisle number or uh, hallway number four. So it was uh, yeah, right. top security. I had uh, producers holding my water, another guy holding uh, a sandwich for me. I mean, they pampered. They did not want me to lift the chair. They said, do you realize that if you hurt your back or anything, we're done? Because yeah. all the money that we put in uh, in you. So before I did the show, they came to my home and they did uh, a lifestyle. They they met my family. They they wanted to know what I did during the day, my push-ups, my, uh, you know, my regimen. So they had a camera crew of about 10 people here. They spent a day with me on the beach and my family and got to know me a little bit. So, yeah, yeah it was just, uh, yeah, it was it, it was a great experience, but a lot of hard work. And that show, Flirty Dancing, uh, was the real deal. That was legit. Yes. And sure. and it also sort of uh, changed, changed your life, really, because, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but... The the girl that uh, you danced with is now you're in a relationship with her? No, uh, we had a good relationship. The girl I danced with, and we were good friends, and we bonded over the show. But uh, she lived uh, far away. She was a dentist, and her lifestyle didn't match mine. But I met someone shortly after the show. Right. So the show kind of helped me out because it brought my status up a little bit. So, yeah, the ladies were interested. In, uh, <laughs> A professional dancer they figured yeah i'm a dancer but <laughs> i'm really not but on the show they made me look great uh, so, uh, so, that's what they say yeah. the girls like the, the the men that can dance, dance. you know exactly. you can dance so, yeah. you're in yeah <laughs> so I'm in a, I'm in, i am in a uh, great relationship right now and uh everything is just it's perfect that's right and yeah, were you nervous were you nervous? Uh, you know, Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> well, remember, uh, for a person that's a non-dancer, and when you work with a choreographer, you get to you get to know her moves, her tempo, her height, and everything. But the girl you're dancing with, you have no clue how tall she is. Uh, so when you actually meet her, you may be off a step, you know. So yeah. she may go a little bit fur- uh, faster than you. So everything is uh, awkward when you meet them. So. I mean, thank God for camera work because whenever you misstep, they'll go to your face and then uh, they'll go back to your face. But I mean, uh, most people, I would say about 80% of the people on that show were non-dancers. There was a few people that were experienced, but that's what they wanted. They wanted uh, to develop them, you know, in five days. But uh, yeah, that's what it was all about. It's just uh, non-dancers going out of their comfort zone, meeting someone, you know, through dance and Again, when even when I danced with uh, Carrie, who I picked on the show, I never spoke with her. I never saw her. I didn't know wow. anything about her. Everything is top secret. But yeah, so I mean, there's a few missteps, but it's legit. They, I mean, your dance, you got to know what you're doing. So wow. after five, and then, uh, but one thing about me, I had two dances, so I started getting the dances mixed up. In the middle of my first dance, I'm already thinking about the second dance. So yeah, my steps were a little <laughs> bit off. So in fact, I asked them if I could be you know, the, the one person being picked as, as opposed to the picker, because yes. then I would only have to learn one dance. But no, they wanted the token old guy to uh, <laughs> dance two numbers. And uh, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Great experience, though. You're talking about the choreographer before, like, uh, and she was on, um, she was actually yeah. from Australia, you were saying, right? Yeah, she's, uh, she won Dancing with the Stars. And uh they have, uh, I think it's the Dancing with the Stars in Australia, and she was the one of the judges there. 
right. that's, uh, she's quite a celebrity and she's been dancing for her name's Sharna Burgess and she as I said she won I think it was two years ago she won Dancing with the Stars oh that's awesome yeah yeah and you so, were saying yeah. a Wagga 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 girl Wagga Wagga that's where she grew <laughs> up I don't know where she lives now but uh, right. she's back in Australia because I watch her YouTube videos because oh, uh, yeah. she's a celebrity and uh, she's a world-class athlete just being a dancer you yeah, know just wow. uh, I have so much respect for those ballroom dancers I thought it was a joke personally I'm like really and then you get out there and almost oh, it's 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 like training you know yes you know like well, weightlifting just starting out it hurts everything yeah, right. hurts your muscles <laughs> aren't that way even though i walked it i used to i was a runner also for about 30 years so right. i'm like this is going to be simple but no you're <laughs> when you start moving your legs the opposite direction especially when you get older it's tough so and it took still, about uh, three, three days for my uh legs to decompress and uh from the swelling, it was incredible. Wow. I had to ice my knees, and uh, you know, the day of the dance, I I could barely walk, but the adrenaline got me through. So I was a little bit stiff, but yeah, it's uh, they try to crash uh, two dances in five days. It's tough. <laughs> and and Ted, is this now a part of your routine now? Coffee, a thousand push-ups, <laughs> and now a bit of a dance now, or is it? You know what? I actually uh, thought about going to take uh, dance lessons, and uh, it's it's. It's another form of exercise, so yeah. They'll be, they'll be taking dance lessons off you, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, it was, was a good experience. But I have confidence now. I think yes. the show also gave me a lot of confidence, you know? Yeah, that's You great. know, a lot of people are a little hesitant, and they're, uh, they think people are watching them. But, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm not a dancer, but I feel like, uh, you know, I got over that, uh, that fear of dancing in front of people. I mean, I danced in front of, like, 5 million people on the network because it was on national television. And it's still on YouTube, so if you want to watch, go to Flirty Dance. Come on. (laughs) And, you know, I typed in Ted Skype and come up with all the flirty dancing and and, uh, your book as well, Death Taxes and Push-Ups. So everywhere, Ted, you're everywhere on the internet. So, so uh, talking about before about your family as well. Can so so um, can you tell us about your family, where they are? You know, that, that, are they all over the place? Like you moved to Ventura to be with your closer to your daughter, right? You said. Well, uh, I have a very small family. I have just one sister, and uh, she lived here with me for sixty some years. And she's an artist. In uh, we grew up in England. Her uh, husband uh, passed away, and then she sold her art gallery. And she's back in. Uh, she moved back to London. She's living in England now for the last eight years, oh, and nice. uh, she's living on a Scottish-English border close to the ocean, and that's uh, my sister. And then my daughter, I just have the one daughter and a grandson, and they live in Los Angeles, just uh, an hour uh, south of me. So, yeah, life is good. I'm starting a whole new life. I'm in love, and uh, everything's working. So, that's great. And I'm, fam- I'm famous now. I had my 15 minutes of fame, by the way. That's <laughs> yeah, It's just 15 minutes, but... I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was just a, a wonderful experience. You always got to do things that you're uncomfortable with, you know? Yes, People absolutely. People always do things, and then they regret it. I'm like, okay, yes, you're going to do it and maybe stumble, but you know what? How, will you, how are you going to know? So when That's I did the show, I'm like, I'm not going to pull this off. My friends yeah. are going to laugh at me. It's ridiculous, but you know what? You have to challenge yourself, and I says, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to help my confidence, and I always had confidence, but to do something on television and, and uh, expose yourself... And when they interviewed me, they get personal uh, about your life and everything. So, you know, I had to talk about my partner who passed away. You know, you don't want to go there. But, uh, yeah, you get. They want to get the the sad story and get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, they have to do that just to get up close and personal, get to know you. And then before you dance. But it went really well. Everything went well. And, uh, yeah. Just it was it was a wonderful experience. And my family and my grandson got to be on television with me. That's awesome. Because before, uh, you know, they did we did the show. They came to the house and we spent the whole day together. They met my family. They were on television. So my grandson, uh, when he grows up, he, he could say to all his friends that he was on television when he was a year old. You know. Right. So yeah, it was That's just amazing. a great experience for our family. And, and I like what you said before, like to to go and challenge yourself and and, and sort of do that. I mean, uh, if you would have asked me if, uh, a couple of years ago that I had a podcast uh, going, uh, I would have said you're crazy. And um, if you would have told me that I would have moved to to China and lived there for three three and a half years, I would have t- said you're yeah, absolutely crazy. So, but but you know what, Ted? It's just like you. It was the best experience that I ever had. 
and um, I've got so much confidence now. I'm doing the podcast. Uh, I'm the directing manager. Uh, you know, it's just everything sort of, you know, because I did that now, um, you know, so I, I feel it, you know. I feel it with you as well that you, you're doing things that are, you know, a little bit out of your comfort zone, but, you know, give it a, a go. Lot of, yeah. A lot out of my zone. You know, if I did something on fitness, it would be different. But the show was on dancing, which is like, again, I always dance. I enjoy dancing, but I always did it in a crowd. But yes. to do it with uh, in a choreog, you know, uh, with a choreographer, it's completely different. And I said to my, you know, I told you I quit the show after yes. I got it. I, I told him, I says, you know what? I, again, I was flattered, but uh, I don't think I could pull this off. You may have gotten gotten the wrong guy. They go like, no, we have the right guy. Right guy. We want yes. Your personality, your energy for your age. Now. You know, obviously the the younger people danced better and they looked better, but they wanted uh, to show you know America that you know this is also for you know senior citizens. Yes. And I asked them, I says, so am I the oldest guy in the show? And they kind of looked around. I'm like, thanks a lot. You know? <laughs> I'm like, so so you needed a token old guy, and uh, here I am. But uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Would you do it again? Would you go on TV again? I would go on TV, but I don't know if I would dance. I would like to try something else. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good experience and I probably would, you know, yeah. I like I like challenges, you know, yeah. especially when they say you're not going to do it or you can't do it. That's when yeah. I excel, you know, I, yeah. I like to prove people wrong. So. Excellent. So, so let's, uh, let's get close to wrapping it up here. So, uh, what does the, what does the future hold for, for Ted Scott? Did well, I say I'm that correctly? Re- Did I say Scott yeah. correctly? Yeah, yeah. Ted Scuff. Ted Scuff is right. Uh, I, you know what? I don't know. I'm still the new guy in California, so I'm going <laughs> to explore uh, the state. You know, as I said, I, you know, I have a new uh, love in my life, and uh, yeah, everything's going good. And yeah, I just I, the only thing I, I want to do is spend more time with my grandson, and I haven't been able to see him. That's right. that's the only thing that I miss because uh, you know the close contact and everything. So. Yeah, that's the the only thing missing is just spending more time with my family. And is Australia on your list? I would like. I I, I think I have family there. As I said, when uh, we left England, some family went to Canada, Australia. I do have relatives in Australia. I've lost contact with them. But yeah. and then uh, most of us went to Chicago. But uh, yeah, I would love to be in Australia. So that's I'm going to come visit you. So- <laughs> I I asked the question like. Uh, what would you say to like an inspiring sort of uh, an up and coming person that wants to write a book or struggling to work out a career? What, what advice would you give to that person? Well, just uh, follow your dreams and uh, just, yeah, do, do something you're in. Everyone has a story, you know, whatever it is. Yes. You're an expert at something, you know, just even though it doesn't become a book, it's actually good therapy. Actually, the book was good therapy because it was a lot about my life. So I incorporated a little bit of my biography with the workout, with push-ups, and I combined it all into one. So, you know, write your story, even if it's for yourself. You know, you don't have to publish it. Just write. Everyone's got that story or that book in their head. Start uh, making little notes and uh, do a chapter. You never know. It could evolve, you know. So you got to start with a name of the book the premise of the book and something you're comfortable with or an expert in, you know, you can't just like, you know, just like talk about anything. You got to do something that you enjoy doing a hobby or whatever and work at the transition into a book and, you know, keep taking notes uh, every now and then because you always get these ideas when, you know, out of nowhere, always jot down, you know, uh, these things that you're thinking about and they have like a diary. And then at some point, you know, go for it, you know, try one chapter and, uh, or make a, a list of different chapters and every now and then, uh, you know, work on one and see how it develops. You know, it may not develop into anything, but it's a very good therapy. You know, yes. doing the book uh, released a lot of, uh, you know, just things that I used to think about. And you do expose yourself in a book like this. I talked about my childhood, how I grew up, you know, where I grew up and things like that coming from, a, you know, divorced uh, family, you know, parents. And, you know, you expose yourself in things that you're uncomfortable with. But it's so therapeutic and liberating to get it all out. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone has a story. So yeah, definitely, story. definitely. Right, <laughs> right, definitely. story. 
Definitely. The more you travel, I think, the more you, you, you meet these people. You know, I just, I, I could sit there for hours and just listen to these people. Go. And that was the cool thing. And I've said it a couple of times on, on the podcast that, especially in LA, you go to a bar, a random bar, and you could just sit down to the person next to you. It's like, what do you do? Oh, well, you know, I want to, I want to be uh, an inspiring model or I want to be an, a musician or an actor, or, uh, you know, a makeup artist, you know, it's just, you're born in LA? Oh, no, no, I, I come from all over America, but not born in LA, so to me, that's inspiring, because they're taking a chance on, on doing something that they love to do, so that's, I, I think that's just great. And everyone's interesting, and again, everyone's got a story, so I love listening to people's adventures, and I live vicariously through things that they've done. You know, yes. if you can't uh, experience it, you live through people who have, and they're just enjoyable to talk to, to listen to, and they inspire you. Yes. So when you hear somebody else and their success stories, then you want to do things like that. So it's it's contagious. So, you know, hopefully someone else has the courage to write a book, you know, just Come based on. on, you know, me getting out there and doing it. I've never written a book. Yes. <laughs> it was, you know, people started saying, oh, you know, that's all you do is push if you've done 10 million, you know, you got to why don't you write a book? And I'm like, I'm not going to write a book. <laughs> it just, but then you start thinking about it and you know, you, you say, you know, I would like to share this because I am very good at it. Can you name three people that have done 10, 13 million pushups? <laughs> it's funny because you always hear about these uh, Guinness's book of world records. Yeah. And these guys are phonies. You know, I was watching a guy. In fact, one guy uh, emailed me after my book was out and he says, Hey, you uh, you have a chapter on uh, world records. Why didn't you include me? It was a guy from Canada. I'm not going to mention ah. his name. And I says, well, it wasn't for uh, to be like uh, specific. I just want to entertain people about these crazy people who do like 20,000 uh, push-ups in a, in a day or something like that. But the judges in, uh, in uh, Guinness Book of World Records, yeah. they don't know what they're judging. They yeah. can't have a judge for every uh, genre. So they send a guy over and they watch this guy doing a push. All he was doing was bobbing his head. Uh, I watched yeah. him uh, and uh, it wasn't even a push-up. So right. you know, it's it's a joke. So a lot of these people in these uh, world records are not doing them correctly. And the judges are counting anything that they say is a push-up. So, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. You know, you got to do them right and, uh, you know, just straight straight <laughs> up and then 90 degrees. That's all. Lock your arms. But yes. it, it is, it's not rocket science. It's very simple. Tell us, Ted, uh, where can we find you on social media? Any endorsements? Uh, where can we find the videos of you on flirty, flirty dancing? Yeah, you could follow me on Instagram. It's uh, Ted and then a lower slash uh, and then a scup. S-K-U-P is my last name. So Ted Scup, but in between my name, you got to do that lower slash. So you can follow me on Instagram. And uh, I got a lot of uh, pictures from the show, some videos on there. And yeah, you can live vicariously through my lifestyle now. Because awesome. uh, it's about being fit and, uh, yeah, especially at this age. So I'm kind of like the baby boomer, uh, the fitness guy, you know. So, yeah, I like to inspire people. I like talks like this and encourage people to do things that they're uncomfortable with, you know, Excellent. and uh, do something simple. Start with something simple and you can't get any simpler than a push-up. I think yeah. cavemen were doing it 10 million years yeah, ago. That's right. Yes. So, it's yeah, before all these guys started inventing new concepts, you know, you just got to get down and do the work. That's it. And just raise the numbers. It's as simple as that. There's, you know, all these uh, different strategies. Uh, you know, do they work? Yes. But uh, I try not to get injured. So you do it the same way and uh, it starts working. And you just, uh, the, the higher the numbers and you start building muscle and tone and uh, yeah, you start losing weight. Everything starts working once you get in a little bit higher numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ted. The last thing that we'll do is I, I like to have like a little question and answer. You just, I just give you a bunch of questions. Just give me a, a, like whatever comes up into your the first sort of answer comes up in your mind. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm always ready. All right. Tell me, what is your favorite musician? Uh, I, well, it's a, a woman. Billie Eilish is one of my favorites. She just right. has a great song. She's, she's my favorite right now. Right. What is, the, what is your favorite place to go in the U.S., city? Well, I'm biased towards Chicago. I love Chicago because I grew up there uh, my whole life. But uh, California and probably Los Angeles or the whole area. You know, you've got 800 uh, miles of uh, coastline here. 
all you have is beaches and mountains. And this is, uh, yeah, this is totally like a, a great place for an outdoorsman. All right. Uh, so Los Angeles, in California, would be Los Angeles. Okay. So you've written your book, Death, Taxes, and Push-Ups. So what is your, besides that book, what is your favorite book to read? Oh, I, I, I usually like self-help books on meditation or just uh, calming down and uh, things like that. That I think his name is uh, Eric Toll. He's, uh, he's uh, like a meditator. I like, uh, like self-help books like that. Right. So I'm not really into novels, but I like self-help books where you just like, you know, just unwind and, uh, you know, just that out-of-body experience and things like that. Right. Last one. What is your favorite major league sport? Uh, team, team, sorry. My, my friends wouldn't like this, but I love soccer. I love All right. soccer. Yeah. In the United States, if you tell somebody you like soccer, they look at you like, seriously? What about football, baseball? I'm like, yeah. no, I love soccer. I, yeah, right. I've always been attracted because it's just, uh, it's nonstop. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a real sport. It's it's a it's the world sport, and regardless of what what any of the people in the USA, NFL is not played in every every country. Uh, baseball is not played in every country, but but right. soccer is soccer. soccer it's the world it's the world game, and right. regardless, it's, not, you know, it's not big in the United States. It's coming up, but uh, as far as the rest of the world, soccer is the only. Yeah, game. Uh, I, it's I, it's. I, I love watching it, especially around the World Cup, or you know, just I just love it. Yes, growing in in the in the U.S. Yeah, as well, right? My friends go boo. boo, boo. <laughs> they love they love their football, of baseball course. here. They're just yes. addicted to that. And I've always, when the world uh, World Cup comes on, I you know when I'm with the guys, I said put the soccer game on, and they're like, no, 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 and I demand it because I go like that's the real sport. <laughs> Well, Ted, uh, you've had an amazing career, very, very inspiring. Keep doing your push-ups, and and I think you convinced me to start doing it as well. (laughs) Yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. Please come on another time. Uh, We should uh, catch up another time and uh, talk. I would love to be back on your show. This is uh, inspiring, and uh, again, I'm uncomfortable with doing uh, things like this, but yeah, I love doing it. At the end of the day... there you I go. just love sharing my uh, experiences with people. And yeah. if it would help them like those soldiers, hey, that's, that's yeah, what life's all about, helping others. Yeah, inspiring. All right, Ted. Them. Thank all you very right, much guys. for your time. Have a great day. Okay. Have a great all night. Right. <laughs> I'm going to do a couple push-ups to unwind right now. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Ted. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Craig. See you later. Bye.